Welcome to today's Dell Technologies podcast, in which we'll be looking at endpoint security for a hybrid workforce. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our country and acknowledge their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We acknowledge the culture, the history, and the languages of our First Nation peoples and pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Security is always a challenge, and the rise in hybrid working means organisations now have many more endpoints, typically PCs that are in the hands of staff and operating environments well beyond the organisation's secure perimeter. This is creating additional stress for security staff, but techniques and technologies are available to make those endpoints secure and keep them that way. Here to tell us about how Dell and Intel are working together to ensure robust security for endpoint devices in a hybrid workforce are Dell Technologies' Mark Arapovich, Cybersecurity Architect for Asia Pacific, and from Intel, Colin Perkis, OEM Business Manager, Team Dell, APJ. And my name is Stephen Fennick. I'm a longtime tech journalist and regular TV and radio presenter and the host of the Dell Technologies podcast. Security is not just about protection and prevention. It's about resilience, minimizing the damage from a successful attack and recovering as quickly as possible. Dell Technologies solutions are powered by Intel. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Nice to be here. Thanks for the time. Mark, welcome. Let's start with you. The theme of this podcast is endpoint security for a hybrid workforce. This, of course, means that workforce members and endpoints are remote, making both more difficult to monitor, manage, and to keep secure. So what are some of the biggest challenges these remote devices create? Sure, uh, Stephen. So with these remote devices, I think if an organization has a very um, castle and moat type of uh, security posture, meaning um, the security policies and governance was designed around the idea that laptops would be you know, in the office, if they're still um, adhering to those old school policies, then all of a sudden shifting to a, a hybrid remote workforce, those policies are not very flexible. Um, as we saw during the pandemic, when there was a uh, an immediate shift to remote working, some organisations handled that better than others. And those organisations that handled it had policies and, and governance rules in place to take into consideration the policy would follow the machine regardless of how it's connecting to the environment or to the resources. Um, and so organisations which didn't really have that sort of plan in place were, were really scrambling. And that opened up a lot of uh, security holes with uh, you know, non-compliant machines trying to connect to company resources. And we saw uh, certainly saw an increase in opportunistic attacks uh, around that time. Colin, let's come to you. How are organisations responding to the increased cybersecurity risk resulting from the growth in the hybrid workforce? Well, Steve, um, we recently completed a bit of research with an organization called Enterprise Strategy Group. We surveyed over 2,000 large and medium businesses across the globe. And what we discovered was that 69% of these organizations had experienced some type of cyber attack as the result of a poorly managed internet-facing asset. 
Um, and a lot of organizations are actively working to improve security, but there's still much to do. Uh, for example, only 36% of those organizations that were surveyed require IT suppliers to have implemented a secure supply chain strategy. Less than 33% employ a, a holistic end-to-end -end security strategy with both hardware and software-based protections. Around 32% have a secure development lifecycle process, only 32% with a secure development lifecycle process. And then around about 30% are evaluating a larger distributed attack surface um, reduction for addressing potential risks. So there's a lot being done, but there is still an enormous amount to do. When you think about those stats, there's, a, there's not enough being done. And we saw just recently um, this big attack that happened in uh, one of the large shipping organizations here in Australia I heard it on the news over the weekend. This is just growing enormously, and we really need to get on the front foot with this one. Mark, we hear a lot about zero trust security requiring authorization on every access, continuous authentication, and continuous monitoring. How well do you think that message is getting through? Like, what's the level of adoption across industries and in organisations of different sizes? Yeah, I, I certainly think adoption is 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 starting to occur more rapidly. Um, zero trust is is certainly going to be one of the most um, you know hated buzzwords in the industry. Everyone's starting to use it without a, a total understanding of what it is essentially. Um, I think it's important uh, for us to educate users what exactly zero trust is. If if the result is, hey, zero trust is us needing to re-authenticate our users multiple times, then that's a great starting point. It's, um, it's better than not authenticating at all. Um, however, we have to understand that zero trust, the actual framework itself is much, much more than than just re-authentication of users. It's, it's where the policy controls sit, where the infrastructure sits. Um, it's, it's basically something, the framework has been developed by the DOD and, and NIST in the US. So it's uh, close to half a decade of, of research into the breast security framework, you know, cyber, um, to, to be resilient against cyber attacks, I should say. So it's, the message is certainly getting out there. Um, you know, technically, maybe not a full understanding of what zero trust really is, but at the end of the day, if if people are starting to adopt even you know one percent of the actual technical framework in reauthentication of the users of thinking about um, you know contextual authentication to to company resources, then then that's a great starting point. Um, adoption still has a long way to go, uh, but the message is certainly getting out there. Colin, back to you. What are some of the main challenges to achieving zero trust for endpoints in a hybrid environment? Well, I think um, as you heard from Mark a little earlier, zero trust is a is a really complex topic, and it's a really long journey. Um, for example, full supply chain security because uh, unverified components can be tampered with in transit, right at the beginning, from when a, a platform is just starting to be built, for example. Um, and zero trust goes all the way through, right through system deployment, system usage, right through to retirement. Uh, as I said, it's an enormously complex topic, and we're really only just starting. We're right at the beginning of that zero trust journey right now. 
Mark, how does Dell help organizations achieve zero trust security for endpoints in a hybrid environment? Well, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? So what, what is the starting point? If, if this whole approach to security or, or access is completely shifting, um, a lot of organizations really struggle to, to understand where to even start. Um, you know, if we think about zero trust versus the old school approach, and, and I may have mentioned it before, the whole castle and moat. So if you think about access, if we, if we take the access portion of zero trust, you think about, you know, the drawbridge comes down, we're allowed into the castle, we can access everything. That's the old school approach to, to security. Um, with zero trust, it's more like a digital city. So every window, every door is locked. Um, every street, um, you know, we have passport control points, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really the best analogy with, with zero trust versus the traditional method. So how Adela helping is, is fundamentally to, well, ensure we adhere to our own, um, or the, the zero trust framework from, from the very start, as, as Colin mentioned, as the secure supply chain manufacturing component verification, you know, so we, we do what we say. Um, but from a customer perspective, especially in hybrid workforces, where are we at, right? What is our starting point? There's no use jumping straight into the deep end and changing authentication schemes or, or implementing additional security policies that may impact users if we don't even have, have an understanding ourselves, you know, stand back and have a look at the entire environment. So they'll have a lot of um, services and capabilities in place, even just to do a zero trust assessment. You know, because customers could already have certain elements of this zero trust capable framework in place. Um, so that assessment is certainly a great starting point uh, for customers. We're told time and time again, Mark, that a successful attack is inevitable and security is as much about resilience and minimizing its impact and recovering rapidly as it is about protection and prevention. How does Dell help organizations become resilient in the face of cyber attacks? Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. I think um, you know, people within the industry realize that there is no 100% when it comes to security. Um, I think recently we had some, um, well, I've seen it myself, right? Back in the, in the good old days when there was a ransomware attack, um, there were certain things we could put into place uh, in terms of uh, recovering the data. Uh, protecting the backups, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but this day and age, generally when we see a ransomware attack, it means the attack has been in your environment for at least a month already. Um, it is something that attackers would drop on their way out now, right? So I'm um, speaking to customers, you know, that have been hit. Um, the first assumption is, listen, um, they've probably already been in there. And, and when performing a, an incident response engagement with customers, that's proven to be true nine nine times out of 10. Um, so assuming that that there will be a breach um, is the first step in, in actually putting together a policy to to recover from that breach. And a lot of solutions in our, in our security portfolio deal with um, how long is it going to take for us to respond? Um, how long um, versus how long the attack is going to take to move laterally throughout the environment? So it's all about reducing that dwell time of the attacker in the environment. And then obviously the resilience portion, once we've kicked the attacker out, once we've sanitized the environment, are we able to recover um, that data? Have we got a, a, the correct backup scheme, the, the, 
between a RAL, a backup actually queen, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we take a full approach from preventative um, to, the, to all the way through to recovery in, in terms of dealing with uh, inevitable breaches, unfortunately. Colin, let's come back to you. Can you summarize how Intel Silicon contributes to endpoint security? Uh, sure. Um, so from a from a commercial client platform perspective, our brand is the Intel vPro brand, and it comprises of a number of different pillars. There's four pillars. Uh, one is the performance pillar. Obviously, you want corporate systems to perform well. Uh, we have the manageability pillar, which allows out-of-band management, for example, even if the system is blue-screened, um, an IT person connected into the support structure can log in and fix issues. Most issues are software-related. Um, it has the reliability pillar because obviously you need to have very reliable systems to improve uh, system utilization. And then the fourth pillar on vPro is the security pillar. There are multiple technologies built into each of those pillars, uh, the one we're focusing on today, of course, is the security pillar. Many, many technologies that uh, Dell uses uh, with hooks into the Intel technologies to make those platforms more secure. For example, Dell Safe BIOS, Dell Safe ID, Dell Safe Shutter, and Safe Supply Chain, they all link back into the Intel Silicon built into Intel vPro technology enabled processes. Mark, how does Dell leverage these features to make its endpoints more secure? Yeah, sure. So, so Colin mentioned a few of those features from the, the security pillar, um, safe BIOS, safe ID, essentially allowing Dell to, to perform the checks and balances on boot of the system, right? So if, if something doesn't look quite right um, within the BIOS, the versioning, um, or, or the actual the checksum of the BIOS, it allows us to hook straight in and, and, and communicate that telemetry back to other control points that we've established to to ensure either the machine doesn't boot and that that problem gets rectified or um, or, or at least an alert's gone through. And not just the security pillar from Intel. I mean, we've got this concept of below the OS and above the OS security, and even that management pillar, um, the way it's actually um, architected and designed uh, by Intel, it actually shuts out the bad guys from a lot of those low-level BIOS attacks. You know, you'd think, you know, the more access you give, especially under the OS, um, a lot harder it is for, for any tool above the OS to actually detect that. Um, but just the way it's it's been designed um, and with security in mind across the board um, allows us to not only leverage the features, but actually trust the way it's been designed um, um, and gives us confidence that that we're able to stop any low-level BIOS attack, um, and, and that's all sorted under the OS. And then, really, the the scrambled eggs is above the OS with everything else, which we also do. So, yep. Colin, Intel vPro seems to be an umbrella term covering a whole host of features of Intel hardware. Can you pick out some that are important to securing endpoints in a hybrid workforce? Oh, sure. Um, so I mentioned secure supply chain. As one of them, there are there are a number of others really. Um, things like uh, Intel Secure Boot and BIOS Guard, which helps to reduce rootkit firmware attacks. Uh, system security report. If you think about uh, systems in the past, you weren't really able to understand what the security settings were below the OS. 
so there was a lack of a testable security setting status. And with newer technologies, you can see below the OS and you can see what uh, your security status is. Uh, if you think about cybersecurity attacks, credential exploitation is probably the biggest of all of them, um, where insecure, insecure password-based uh, logins are fished, for example, from a user. And here we have a capability called enhanced sign-in with Intel virtualization technology, which can help to reduce the attack surface associated with credential exploitation. We also have something called control flow enforcement, which is uh, a capability to, again, reduce that attack surface associated with app and memory attacks, um, where typical control flow hijacking uh, attacks legitimate code. You can reduce that surface attack surface using this technology. Uh, if you think about ransomware attacks today, you know malware evades traditional AV file, anti-signature file, uh, antivirus signature files, um, and so we have something called Intel Threat Detection Technology, which is a unique um, AI-based capability to manage to to watch how a system is behaving and to manage the security profile as these types of attacks change because they're changing all the time. And then finally, in the event of an attack, and uh, let's assume there is a, a successful attack, you need to be able to recover from that attack really quickly. Um, and here we have something called Intel Active Management Technology, which essentially can help to organizations to recover from a rootkit uh, attack, for example, uh, remotely across the LAN, across the WAN, or even across the cloud. So these are some of the technologies built into the security pillar of vPro. Colin Dell talks about using Intel Hardware Shield, an Intel management engine in its products to support their security features. What are they and what do they do? Um, you, again, you heard Mark a little earlier speaking about these above the OS and below the OS capabilities. So I'll just pick three. Uh, so from an Intel hardware uh, shield perspective, below the OS security enables the platform to be, be protected against BIOS and firmware attacks. Uh, this is provided by BIOS and boot flow protection technologies, and it's built in to Intel vPro, and it works out of the box. Uh, we have application and data protections, which prevent attacks against the OS and applications and data. Um, and also help to, to prevent malware injections. And this is achieved through, uh, as I mentioned earlier, virtualization-based security and supported by Windows 10, Windows 11. And again, it works out of the box via the Windows Security Center. And then we have advanced threat protections, which this is the, the technology that enables us to detect new threats like ransomware and cryptojacking. As I said earlier, these are changing almost on a daily basis. So you have to stay ahead of them to reduce that security footprint. Uh, and using advanced threat protections, you can help to eliminate a lot of classes of attacks um, by monitoring the XPU behavior, all the various processing units, monitoring their behavior uh, and monitoring their offloads. And this is enabled by our, our security software and the operating system. And what about Intel vPro Enterprise? What, what is that? And does it help with endpoint security? Ah, 
Um, yeah, so we have two different versions of vPro. We have vPro Essentials, which is a capability that's really designed for small business, medium business, uh, and it has a number of the vPro features that I just mentioned, a number of the security features, the manageability features, but not all of them. Uh, and then we have vPro Enterprise. vPro Enterprise is built into many, many Dell commercial PCs. And this is really what we suggest as the appropriate solution for larger organizations that have the capabilities, for example, to do this remote management capability, remote remediation capability that I mentioned a little earlier. So two versions, vPro Essentials for small, medium business, vPro Enterprise for large business. And vPro Enterprise has all of those complex security hooks that I was just speaking about a minute ago. Colin, can you tell us a little about how the Intel technologies that are built into a Dell commercial PC can be used to remediate in the event of a cybersecurity incident? Sure. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Intel vPro consists of four specific pillars. There's the performance pillar, there's the reliability pillar, there's the security pillar, and there's the manageability pillar. And in the event of a cybersecurity incident, what you want to be able to do is manage the device, uh, regardless of where it is, whether it's on the LAN, the WAN, or even uh, connecting across the cloud. So with Intel Active Management Technology, which is the management pillar in vPro, uh, it's possible to remotely connect into a system, even if it's in a blue screen condition, uh, the OS has failed. Um, the system is powered off. It's possible to connect in to remotely remediate an issue like a rootkit attack, for example, right down to re-imaging a complete system, updating BIOS, updating settings, updating everything, and reboot the system. So you can imagine uh, a system that's being managed out of Sydney, for example, um, and the system sitting in Darwin. You can imagine the cost associated with sending a person from a local organization and the time across to an organization where the system is down to go and physically repair the system. Compare that and contrast it to the cost of remotely logging in, remotely managing, remotely remediating, and remotely setting up so that a user can get back up and running a lot quicker. Uh, it's twofold. It's better for productivity. But when you think about um, sustainability, you're reducing the truck roll, you're reducing emissions, you're reducing all of those things while getting a system up and running and making an individual productive. So it's a whole lot of good things um, just built into active management technology. And finally, Mark, what's one key takeaway you'd like our listeners to really consider from today's session? I think. Um in one word, identity. I think Colin touched on it as well. Um, we've seen a huge shift in the in the way attackers are trying to uh, you know, attack organisations. Uh, back in the good old days of you know having a, a piece of malware that seems to be disappearing more and more, where the the attack is living off the land. Um, it's it's file less malware or file less attacks are occurring. So credentials are certainly the thing, and, and Colin did mention it uh, very correctly. Credentials are, are what the bad guys are after. 
identities, what should be protected or should be uh, made more resilient than, than it currently is. And that sort of feeds into the whole narrative around zero trust, uh, around identity. Um, so I would certainly encourage listeners today um, to take heart that below the OS, um, Intel have done a phenomenal job over the past you know, five, six years. That's a, a really robust layer for us to build on, but really where we're seeing the main issues now are around identity above the OS. So, you know, even if you, you can't spell zero trust, the very, at the very least implement something like multi-factor authentication, right? That's the low hanging fruit. That's what's probably going to get, get you out of trouble for, for a majority of the attacks we're seeing these days. Uh, but certainly identity and, and don't, um, don't cringe when you hear the word zero trust. Do your research, learn what it actually is, because it is actually very beneficial. That's about all the time we have. Thanks to our speakers, Mark and Colin, for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about Dell Technologies Endpoint Security and how it is powered by Intel, please visit dell.com.au forward slash security. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Intel. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 